Hello, in this episode, we're going to learn about how technical architects build successful microservices applications using Heroku's 12-factor app rules. series uh, the first series and this is episode one and this is about 12 factor app and rules so what are 12 factor apps so uh, these rules were created by uh, Heroku originally who are a cloud provider and basically these are uh, for building, this is, this is ba- essentially advice for writing and building uh, modern web applications, uh, microservices that run inside a cloud. And it's designed for any developer building applications which run as a service and for ops engineers who deploy um, and manage such applications. So there are 12 factors. The first factors are, I'm going to list them actually. So number one is code base. Uh, Number two is dependencies. And number three is config. Number four is backing services. And number five, build, run, and release. Number six is processes. And number seven is port binding. Eight is concurrency. Nine is disposability. The tenth one is death, development, uh, product, and product parity. The eleventh one is all about logs. And the final twelfth rule is the administration processes. So let's go into each of these uh, in this episode. Um, I'm going to tell you a little about me. I'm working now uh, as an independent contractor. Well, I'm an independent contractor uh, working with a particular client who has a particular interest in microservices. And I I, I suppose this is my third client, uh, okay, uh, who's working with microservices. So... uh, uh, yes, it's a controversial topic and and a confusing topic. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, microservices were designed as uh, applications that uh, run in a separate process. They are supposed to be small applications, and they do one functional thing and behavior well in the architecture of the the overall business application enterprise application and the point is is that they are distributable they are scalable uh, so that you can run more than one instance and you can deploy them to a data center into the cloud or on 
your own laptop or even on uh, Raspberry Pi if you're brave enough. And so uh, it's so let's get into the twelve factor applications. So um, it's worth understanding what the it's what these rules are all about. Um, yeah, I'm going to cite directly from the inter introduction. Use declarative formats for setup automation to minimize time costs for new developers joining the project. And in this, you know, because most applications of most businesses start from either two positions, the initial position, you can call this state vector zero. They are first either building an entirely brand new application from scratch. So they're writing uh, microservices in Java, uh, Ruby, whatever it is, uh, language, your favorite language, uh, and they're building these applications from scratch. And, and the second one is scenario is that they are splitting an existing or strangling an existing monolith and really are rewriting it uh, or refactoring that entire application, enterprise application, into so-called microservices. Um, and, and the rules are generally in the documentation, this Heroku documentation, uh, describe have a clean contract with the underlying operating system offering maximum portability between execution environments. So to attack this one, um, you essentially, if you, you should rely on Heroku, or, or some kind of platform as a service to if you really that really concerns you um, um, uh, generally um, in these sort of applications uh, you will find that uh, microservices are, uh, lot of, many developers and business operations are running uh, lots of microservices so in if you're fortunate or very very fortunate to follow the Netflix uh, um, pioneering rules, and if you're working in Netflix themselves, you'll realise that this uh, the rest of the world doesn't uh, hasn't caught up with you uh, simply because uh, departments businesses really don't have the requirement to for have one or two microservices and have 10 engineers, uh, business analysis and architects looking after them. Um, it really, human resources doesn't scale that way. So I've rambled on a little bit too much, I think. So I'm going to get into the first one, which is uh, of the 12 uh, factor rules, um, code base. Um, this is very important. Uh, there is one code base tracked in revision control at many deploys. Um, you really, uh, the advice here, um, and uh, I was advising a client, is you really want to work with a distributed revision control a version control system like Git or Mercurial, and you really should des decide 
uh, not to use uh, two version control systems uh, such as subversion and also git um, uh, if, if you're especially if you're refactoring an existing application get that entire monolith uh, inside git and and work from there um, yeah, and the general concern is that you'll find that many you'll see people uh, breaking this principle, and and especially in smaller teams and setup. Uh, if you really want to share knowledge or do peer development, it really helps to have one code base uh, in revision control. And you can have much many repositories um, as you want in, in Git for a repository for each microservice application, component, shared libraries uh, you really want to organize your developers and operations so that they can get, uh, there's one place where they can get the code for all the microservices all the deployment scripts and and you uh, for management and for platform engineering you really, you might want to do something a little bit different um, number two is dependencies in the Heroku uh, doc they recommend that you that developers, designers and architects be explicitly clear uh, about dependencies and you want to isolate them um, dependencies are really hard to uh, navigate and to control so you really should be using Gradle, uh, Maven Yarn, NPM, and you need a dependency uh, tool, uh, build tool, and you also need a repository and uh, artifact manager such as Nexus, uh, Sonotype Nexus, uh, or maybe Artifactory. You need some way of managing dependencies, in other words. Number three, uh, you... Uh, config uh, do not store configuration in application code don't hardwire IP addresses you really want all your configuration all your routing rules or your firewall rules or your surface discovery rules uh, in to be stored in the environment and that can be a combination of YAML files if you're using a cloud provider solution such as uh, Pivotal Cloud Factory, make sure that these kind of configurations are also in YAML, in the manifest file, but you're also in environmental and variable settings. And generally, cloud providers give you a way to manage this information. Um, and number four, um, this in the documentation is called backing services, and the advice is treat uh, backing services as attached resources. Um, this is common practice. You, if you are storing a, a persistent uh, information inside a message queue, you really ought to be uh, saving that information inside inside a data store which could be in amazon uh, rds or, or somewhere where it's not going to be stored in on the file inside 
uh, a microservices. The idea is that your services should be inter easily be interchangeable. Um, you want to be referencing uh, these services uh, with login credentials. Uh, and it will ensure that if you st store um, backing, if you treat your backing services as a, as attached resources, you're, you're in increasing the portability and the maintain maintainability and the configurability of your entire microservice applications. And notice I'm saying plural, not singular. Number five is a very, very easy plus one. Build, release, run. Um, you really... Uh, and the documentation this is described in the sentence strictly separate build and run stages um, building is uh, building the software for example in Maven where you want to uh, do a Maven install into a local uh, com uh, compiled Java and bundle all the resources into a jar file or, um, or uh, uber jar or uh, spring boot executable jar can do this also applies to gradle um, release uh, means getting the build and combining it with com with configuration so that you want to deploy to the environment for uat uh, user access testing or or you want to eventually get a release out into production version one. Um, and the run stage is essentially the deploying, after deploying the application, uh, you really want to execute uh, the application and turn all the lights green. Um, you, it's important for Build, release, run is very important for platform engineering because you generally really want to help developer operations, operations people to automate as much as possible and, uh, and it makes it easier in the long run for the entire life cycle of your application, which, yes, this is a, a side point. Uh, generally, the, the, the microsystems architecture um, or over SOA is popular because people are aiming for high availability and and for 24 7 365 daily operation so there is no at the end state the end game of microservices is that there isn't zero downtime and say so therefore you generally want to separate build run be build release and run um, number six is also a plus one for me processes uh, you want to execute the app as one or more stateless processes um, this helps um, with um, session and also scalability and um, 
to spin up more services and also shut them down. Um, you, you, generally, you, the, a, the idea of this one uh, is to build stateless services uh, for easy scalability by deploying more of them as part of the definition of what microservices are. You really should avoid including state into your services that would leave you uh, hooked and unable to, to scale up or down. Um, if you want to have a session state, consider looking at Redis as a distributed cache or Hazelcast or Memcache daemon uh, or, or even a simple relational database. Uh, uh, it's a very important and crucial consideration for architects who are building and designing um, microservices uh, applications for the cloud. Um, number seven is port binding. Um, in the documentation, it describes export services via port binding. Um, uh, for beginner, beginners, this is an indirection for, instead of uh, having a service uh, and hooking onto it via a directly, um, you tend to use uh, uh, an indirect service, such as a service discovery um, that tells you where, uh, which host name and which port uh, the application uh, connects to that service. In other words, uh, when you're writing applications, you design them uh, as if they are, you can. Uh, you, that the surface will disappear, for example, if the surface falls and uh, is faulty or the system uh, it network goes down, using um, exporting services via port binding means that you can uh, bring in these design patterns such as circuit breakers or failover state um, so just a, just a general rule. It's probably a little bit hard for beginners to understand. And um, number eight is a straightforward one, concurrency. You really should be thinking that, uh, that your microservice application instance will be scaled out. Um, you, there should be uh, many versions of your of an instance of an application, so don't assume that the data will be present only in one uh, instance of a microservice. Um, and you can use uh, tools such as um, Pivot Cloud Foundry um, to, uh, say, uh, start up uh, many instances of the application. Um, uh, you can use something like Kubernetes. Um, the idea is that you really want to scale your application um, rather than try and make your application larger by running a single instance on the most powerful machine available. Um,
um, I, a word to the wise here um, for application developers, especially Java. Um, there is, uh, if you you still have to think about the safety and the mutability of data structures. Um, because if you're, and really, you should really test these conditions in as part of uh, performance tests and you, uh, as well as uh, integration tests for that particular, for each microservice, so that you avoid um, really strange bugs. Um, debugging in, in microservices is really, really difficult, especially in production. You really don't want to do that. So. Uh, think very hard and use uh, as much as the JDK um, libraries as possible to avoid uh, threat safety concerns. Uh, number nine, uh, disposability. Um, in the documentation, uh, it talks about, in the Heroku documentation, it talks about maximized robustness with fast startup and graceful shutdown. Um, so designed for failure, uh, designed that the, your microservice application will be shut down or it will fail, uh, and it might have to be shut down really quickly. Uh, and also be brought back to life really quickly from a disaster in, say, uh, a availability zone or some network uh, shutdown. Um, so for that reason, uh, it's uh, consider graceful shutdowns really be important if someone sends you a signal then it, and you really have to shut down uh, leave the system and the operating system in the correct state um, think about resiliency uh, have some way of streaming important events to a separate uh, log or a, a, a event stream that so that you can recover um, the transactions and the state of work that, that a microservice needs to operate uh, if it's brought back to life. And so that's dis the disposability. Um, number 10, dev developer product and production and parity. Uh, okay, this is really quite straightforward. Um, it's really, really critical. This is, um, I guess, for platform engineers and the business, uh, it's very important to keep development, staging, and production as similar as possible. Um, as the reason is, uh, because the end state of microservice applications uh, generally uh, is for 24-7, 365 operation. Um, essentially, the 99.97% um, uptime, um, there is no way of that they should be of shutting down the system and for days uh, uh, or even hours at the, it really doesn't make sense. And for this reason, this is a infrastructure rule um, to for 
Uh, if you use a platform as a service, such as Heroku or, or even Pivotal Cloud Foundry, I'm sure uh, Google Cloud has the same, or even Azure, Microsoft Azure, you really want to have a PaaS that allows you to uh, have a development, um, pre-production, user access testing spaces, and also production environments that are very similar or the same, uh, so that you can run uh, smoke tests as well as integration tests as well as also end-to-end -end tests if you do them um, uh, it's hard to achieve and and if you're inside the operations part of the team it, you really have to fight um, uh, if you're really unfortunate the management uh, because they may not understand uh, and want to save money. Uh, but it's crucial that you, as the operations restructure person, persevere. Um, number 11 is very straightforward. Um, logs. Um, um, the rule, the documentation um, says in the Trail Factor app, treat logs as event streams. This is factor is more about anything about uh, being excellent. Um, you can uh, have a completely functional microservices application uh, without with hardly any logs or any in information. Um, but the reason why that is atrocious and disgusting is that is what happens if something goes wrong in and you really need to have a logging solution, um, preferably uh, that sends uh, these log messages as event streams to some sort of um, uh, uh, Elk stack for, uh, I suppose, Elasticsearch, log, log stash and Kibana stack or Splunk or something there so that you can see what is happening with all your um, commercial microservices. Um, is you need to be able to see into the heart of the operation. And if you cannot see that, then uh, there are going to be significant problems in, um, and that will cost you a shed load of money. Um, this is just a start. Uh, you will use these logs uh, and alerts and metrics, and I also uh, recommend to build metrics in and gauges uh, into all your microservices so that you can uh, get proper heuristics, uh, charts, monitoring, uh, because this is certainly uh, what the operations side of the DevOps team really do need, and as well as the infrastructure people. And the final one is administration process. Um, the, the note in Heroku 12 Factor app is to run uh, admin and management tasks as one of processes. Uh, it's really uh, less for less of a note for developers, but more important for infrastructure and platform engineers uh, who are looking after the site re reliability. 
Um, it's more about manage your app, the microservices the, that, that constitute your application. Uh, really about that. It's uh, rather than developing services, it's um, yeah, it's it's about the, the ease of uh, development, um, making it really easier for the infrastructure people to uh, to allow them to do their job as well. And so you, and it's generally about automation. You really, in a crisis, want to set up and automate um, setting up uh, spaces, environment. Uh, these admin tools should be readily available. Um, I guess this also is goes into security um, because you don't want these the administration to be to be available to everyone, and some companies generally might want to have a stern uh, or overzealous security processes. However, you you need at least one uh, way of performing administration rights and stuff. And it's generally, uh, if you can have a one-off process that allows you to click a button and it all works, that's better than having to look at screens of documentation, um, wiki pages, just to set up uh, the... Um, at least one microservices and, and consider if you have 20 or even 30 different microservices in production, it, it's not going to scale um, as human investment. Um, so generally, the admin processes uh, should be run as um, one-off processes and, and not take all day and or the life away during the work day. Um, so that is my summary. Uh, you can find the these um, twelve factor app rules um, at the website twelvefactor.net. So one two f a c t o r dot n e t. Um, so that will be the end of this episode. Um, and finally, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. So uh, comments, likes, shares, I'm here for you. And I'll see you again. Enjoy your day. Oh, this is me again. I just noticed I didn't give my contact details in that last segment. Follow me on Twitter, please, on at Peter underscore Pilgrim. Or go to my blog at www.zenonique.co.uk forward slash blog. Bye. See you next time.